0: Welcome to the Monday Minute of the Hunt Back Country podcast. In these episodes, we answer your listener questions and uh, sometimes ramble a bit as well. Steve, just kind of shoot the breeze. Yeah, yeah, it's good. How was the weekend for you? You were camping, right?
1: Yeah, I you know, got the kiddos out camping and just uh, besides a Friday night, what's supposed to be a two-hour drive turned into a five-hour drive because there's a something going on on Highway 55, accident or... The road construction. I'm not sure what was going on, but we had to take a long dirt road detour to get to, uh, to the camping spot. And that was always uh, frustrating and fun. You got kids in the back seat, you know, screaming at you after four or five hours. So um, by the time we got to our camp spot, we're like, man, we could have been to the freaking Oregon coast by now. Um, <laughs> it's just like, That's a long drive. Yeah. <laughs> uh, But no, we had a blast, man. Just, I'd, bought like a my kids always had like a little suction cup bow and arrows but i bought a little bow and arrow for them and they were you know just shooting that and it's just a it's something about shooting a bow and arrow right like even kids understand just how like you know just cool it is Um, and then caught some fish hit some hot springs did some hikes it was just a it was a great great weekend camping with the family yeah that's awesome this
0: may let's just go ahead and dive into this we had somebody ride in and we've talked about this a fair amount before but it's timely and relevant this guy wrote in and said how do you manage your home life and having kids yet still being able to take anywhere from five to 12 day backpack hunts i'm in my early 20s and have a two-year-old at home i'm just looking for some tips and tricks to keep the family happy and that it's okay for me to go out hunting big topic
1: Mm yeah i I wish i had the magic answer for that one um (laughs) i don't know i think but you do it like what what helps i'll put it that way yeah yeah no um i've definitely modified my hunting to do more like you know back pre-kids it was like all right it's august 30th like just plan on me being gone every weekend for the next you know certainly all of september (laughs) Um, you know, pre-kids, I was pretty much just bow hunting. So it was was just September and then kind of get back into it in November. Um, and then now I've modified to do, I seem to do about like three, one week long trips, you know, um, but obviously crazy fortunate to go to Alaska last, you know, handful of times, last few years. So those are always like a seven days kind of at least thing. And they're, you know, they're marked on the calendar, you know, especially a trip like that that's like i just put that on the count. we have a calendar in our bathroom that i just write basically you know when i'm going to be out of town Uh, because obviously there's a lot of travel for work between trade shows and things like that so so my wife just sees it and it's visible and she can plan for it um and then you know i just try to be the best husband and father i can when i'm home right like play with the kids be active with them um you know Definitely as like, even this week, uh, Cody, um, coming out to, we're going to go bow hunting together. And, uh, I told my wife like, Hey, I'm going to be gone for a week. So like any night, this, you know, like Monday through Thursday night, you want to go out meet a friend for some wine or whatever, go shopping, just let me know. And I'm happy to do it. Um, so I guess, uh, you know, you just do those little things and it makes life a lot easier. So.
0: That's really similar for me. I think in a way, it, on first glance, it may be harder to be like, okay, I'm going away for seven days or 10 days, but on on some level, I think it's a little bit easier than four or five, two to three day trips, right? Like that frequency of you leaving could be harder on your family than a duration of you leaving. Right. Um, and so it's, it's same for me. It's like a lot of trips are scheduled well in advance. They're known they're set periods of time. And then in between there, like you said, Steve just try to be home as much as I can. And, you know, it's funny on this topic is like, if we start talking about like tips and tricks to keep your wife or your family happy, it sounds very like selfish and strategic. Like I gotta do this to keep my wife happy. Mm. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's like, I want to be with my kids and do stuff and see them. So like this weekend's perfect example is I'm going on my goat hunt here really soon. And I took my son to the skate park and for three hours was like, cool, man, good job. Like just sat there and watched them. Right. Like right. That's what you yeah. wanted to do. And I took yeah. my daughter and uh, a friend of hers to a college volleyball game that they wanted to go see. And then we went and got lunch. And like my weekend was three days of nothing, but whatever the kids and, Jen wants yeah. to do and that yeah. wasn't like me earning a trip it was just i want to get as much time with him as i can because i'm getting ready to go and um at the end of the day it from the selfish perspective it does help all right <laughs> but at, yeah. uh, at the same time it's what i want to be doing when i am home
1: yeah no absolutely it's definitely getting uh along those lines man when we, when i left for alaska for the sheep hunt here that was the hardest it ever was for me to leave my kids like you know it's like when they're little there, were, you know it's not as interactive and kind of dad time play stuff but now like we have a freaking blast together uh and uh dude yeah i was like legit sad to leave my family and go up to alaska knowing that i wasn't going to see him for you know 10 12 days so um but it's uh in all things balanced man you can't just uh you can't just completely forgo something that we all love to do forgive forgo hunting um you need to go still do those things so just got to do your best to balance it out and be a good you know husband father along the way i think like most
0: things which guys tend to suck at is just try and communicate well try and plan well and communicate well and that makes everything way easier yeah absolutely cool well that was a detour to a listener question
1: (laughs) yeah was good it's definitely i mean obviously if you're uh 25 years old and no kids listening to this track. what the f are these guys talking about (laughs) yeah someday you'll understand like life changes a lot man life changes a lot uh, for sure uh goat hunt getting excited
0: i am it sounds like a like a cliche or just something people say but i've literally every night been going to bed thinking about goats dreaming (laughs) about goats and then waking up thinking about goats like it's just when i have a free time mentally like that's where my head is going is thinking about this hunt and the experience and you know even like this is true of every hunt it's obviously true of a bigger like trip to Alaska but it's really true of everything as I've just even think about how cool it is no matter what your hunt is to like have it to look forward to like the preparation the anticipation the planning is such a valuable part of the whole experience and then obviously as you get closer and closer you just get even more jacked so yeah yeah i am looking forward to it. they just had i don't know if you saw steve they had some crazy storms like that hit uh western alaska shouldn't affect too much where um i was per se but i did talk with uh, a guy last week who was hunting goats in southeast alaska and like one day they had five inches of rain from this big storm system that rolled through holy cow yeah wow. so
1: yeah, i don't know how you stay uh dry in that yeah they didn't <laughs> <laughs> even yeah <laughs> even in your tent you're getting wet <laughs>
0: exactly yeah, yeah. so Holy actually crap. that it was uh you guys will be hearing about it it was a podcast that's coming up so uh, okay. i'll probably have it air while i'm gone um but yeah just kind of preparing for you know making sure you have everything that you're mentally ready physically ready mindsets ready and uh for me even with that like even thinking okay what if it storms like crazy what if everything's wet what if this like from the anticipating what could be a negative but even thinking like it's just part of the whole experience and just to try and soak up every little moment of it um yeah i'm super looking forward to it
1: nice what um let's go gear first what did you end up doing on boots The alverstones the hanwag alverstones
0: um so i'll have those and the Mocker trek but i think um i've always had good luck with both of them and just that little bit of extra height and they're really not any heavier um those alverstones are going to be nice one thing i I don't even know if i've told you this steve i got a pair in a wide and i've i've never owned boots in a wide but the the toe box on those is just a little tight. It's a little narrow. And it's one of those things where I notice it most when I first put the boots on. Um, and then it just kind of goes away or I stop thinking mm-hmm. about it. Um, but then there has been times, I don't know. I this could be a long story. I have this weird issue sometimes with like my left second toe, the one next to my pinky, um, where it does. I don't know. It's hard to explain. It just does this weird thing. And not just in those boots. It does it at times. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've noticed it though in those boots. And I'm like, I wonder if like just getting a little more room in the toe box would help that. Um, and so I've been running those a bunch for all my training this uh, summer. And obviously I have a bunch of experience for two years now with Alverstones in general. So um, those wides seem to get, be good. They're not too wide. I don't, I don't feel any slop or anything like that. Um, and I think in the toe box, they're just going to give me a little bit more room. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm pretty confident in for sure. Cool, awesome.
1: How about um, what'd you do with all your down? Just swap everything to synthetic? Just pick yeah, and choose?
0: Pretty much, man. <laughs> I'm still like, all the synthetic. Yeah, so I'll be taking a uh, a quilt uh, from Enlightened Equipment. They do like an Apex, There's their synthetic fill quilt be taking that um and then yeah just pretty much through even base layers i'm not doing merino um just doing synthetics kind of across the board for both insulation and base layers and giving things the best chance to either perform when wet or like in the case of the base layers even just have a a quicker dry time um versus merino that yeah like performs when wet but it also is it never dries (laughs) unless you get really good conditions so Synthetic across the board on everything. Um, Definitely from a packability perspective, I don't love it. But, you know, Henry, the guide has said from day one, he always recommends synthetic and um, talking with other guys who've done goat hunts in Southeast Alaska specifically. uh, Obviously, the experience that you guys had here recently on your sheep hunt, which was a different area, but still relevant. Um, It just makes the most sense at the end of the day to just bite the bullet and do it yeah
1: how about uh what are you packing for your rifle rifle and bullet so the seven Psalm
0: um that i built a couple years ago i actually have uh we'll have an article coming out this week on it you didn't even know that so thanks for asking um (laughs) (laughs) i did kind of a write-up on on the build and the components and all that stuff so if you guys want to see that when it comes out it'll be later this week the best way to do that is just make sure you receive our emails um so that's exomontgear.com forward slash newsletter and i'll have like a write-up on really the whole build some of the things i did with it originally some of what i've changed over that couple of years um so yeah it's a seven som which is a short action ultramag i i've developed loads in that rifle with uh hammer bullets acubonds eldx vlds like i've just tried a bunch of stuff and everything shoots great which is also doesn't make it any easier to pick one um, right, right because everything shoots so good uh it i'm taking acubons long story short so hmm. um regular acubon or the long range the regular yeah okay. yeah yep. so it's Gross. 160 green acubon that's why i shot the bear with this spring um prior to that i from this rifle had shot everything with hammers like last fall's elk, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd have confidence in either one at the end of the day. Um, I've definitely weighed the, at least the theoretical pros and cons of all those different bullets and then talked to guys, um, guys like Joseph von Benedict, for example, um, different, not only Henry who will who's my go guide who will readily admit like he's not the, the rifle nerd. Um, so he has his opinion, but he also is quick to say like, Hey, you know, it's, it's not my area of expertise. Um, and th- this is months ago, but like even last fall, like last November, once I knew I was doing this hunt, just to get way ahead of things, I just thought out reached to, reached out to a bunch of goat guides and just was, you know, like, Hey, I'm going on this goat hunt next year, considering, um, different options for bullet and cartridge and et cetera, and just tried to get as much input as possible and of course that can be a double-edged sword because you'll get guys who swear by one thing and then another yeah. guy who says i would never take that right um but at the end of the day a bullet like the acubond obviously has a a great reputation for really decades at this point of performing very well and um for me just that balance of yes, it's a bonded bullet. It's going to hold together a bit, but at the same time, um, you do get, I wouldn't call it rapid expansion, but, um,
1: some more of that type of behavior than maybe, a, a mono. So, yeah, that was going to be my next question. What's an Acubon do? I don't, I'm not even, I know it's a tough bullet. Um, it, so it does fragment some, but the core stays together. Yeah, so
0: it's meant to open up pretty quick, not necessarily fragment, but open up pretty quick. But at the same time, it is bonded. Um, so it's trying to kind of strike that balance of we want this to open up, but we also want it to hold together and retain some weight, um, which what's interesting to me about mountain goats is they obviously have the reputation for being incredibly tough. Guys have seen the videos. and <laughs> I mean, it it is crazy sometimes the hits that they take and just keep going and their will to live. And so there's so much talk of like angering goats and goats are super tough, et cetera, et cetera. And when you hear an animal's tough, you may think, okay, well then I need a really tough bullet. And some people on goats argue the opposite. It's like, yes, they're tough and have this will to live, but um their physical build is such that they're actually pretty slab sided meaning like side to side through their cavity is not too deep mm-hmm. and so if you have too tough of a bullet and don't get quick enough expansion you know you're just more prone to like zipping through and not causing enough internal or structural damage um because there's that slab sided build so some people do fully advocate for something like a burger that's going to be rapid expansion like hmm. dump as much energy in the animal and so even a burger is not known to be a quote-unquote tough bullet they'll say that's actually what you want on a goat yes a goat's tough but you want to dump all the energy um in there cuz they're slab sided so i get that like at least on theory um and i just didn't want to necessarily go either or and wanted to go something like an acubon that's a bit of both um yeah. some quick expansion but still have weight retention and penetration um and obviously on goats placements just going to be super key yeah um to try and kind of break them down to anchor
1: them yeah i'd say that i mean my i've only been on two goat kills one for myself and one for a, a buddy and i don't like i don't think goats are particularly like you don't i mean you uh, I'd have all the confidence in the world just taking a Creedmoor and shooting them. Um, it's just, yeah, definitely bullet choice is going to be critical. Like it is with everything. Yeah. (laughs) Cool. Um, you have any, uh, wish lists for size of the animal or just want to, you know, or, or maybe age, like we just want to, you know, obviously probably shoot a mature old Billy.
0: Yeah. I don't from a necessarily like a, a score, um, part of part of my appeal with goats is also like their hide their hair um and just being a little bit later in the season obviously not really late but then also being further north in alaska they're going to tend to have even better hair you know call it early october than a goat in the lower 48 may um so i just want like a really nice mature goat good hair um my eye tends to like mass even more than length on goats, uh, which I honestly think works out kind of well for this area. This area is kind of known genetically to have really big bodied goats and um, in, in pretty good mass, but not necessarily crazy length and uh, horns It's just kind of what that whole area is known for with goats. So um, I think it pairs well to kind of what my eye is drawn to for sure. You know, to be honest with you, part of me is like not being a trophy guy. So i've been I've been trying to be proactive with my mindset to to realize it's okay to pass on animals. and part of that is knowing that Tyler has a tag. so it, if I fill my tag and we have hunting days left, essentially Tyler's gonna have an opportunity to want, which is a him being my friend I want for him he will argue 100% the opposite and say no this is just your hunt like don't worry about it whatever um so I don't necessarily feel that pressure but i do i i want that for tyler i need to like remember that this is a unique experience and then i also don't want it to be over in 2 days right like i'm That's happy the to shoot you get
1: to have yeah. and tyler have a tag and be there as the like, kind of an extra hunter um, yeah Cause yeah, you get a, get a chance to, if you do find one on day one, the hunt's not over.
0: Exactly. So yeah, I need to remind myself both. Like if I do fill a tag, it's not over. And then at the same time, not being a rush to fill a tag and like soak up this whole experience. I mean, I think it, we really have ne- uh, obviously like, big asterisk to this is it's Alaska and Alaska can ruin all of your plans. If we're not weathered out, we have nine full hunting days. Um, and so I just, yeah, on one sense, I'm reminding myself, like, don't be in a hurry, soak up this experience, you know, don't rush just to fill a tag. Uh, It's okay to look over goats, because that's really what I want. Like, I want to be in the country, I want to see the animals and just kind of have the whole experience. But then on the flip side of it, it is really cool if I find a goat that just makes me super excited on day two and fill the tag, like, get it taken care of, and we get to keep hunting with Tyler. It's going to be awesome either way.
1: Sweet. Can't wait to see photos and hear stories when you get back. Yeah, man. Are you going to take that same psalm uh, back with the same Acubond here to Idaho for elk? I am. Yeah, that was part of
0: you know, the my choice for that setup was primary goat, but my turnaround between this goat hunt and our elk hunt is pretty dang quick. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to necessarily pick something that I had to like reside in or make any changes because it's going to be kind of Get home and turn and burn and get out for elk so yeah i'll be running the exact same setup so sweet looking forward to it cool um to dive into listener questions um this one came through is actually from one of the guys who we recorded uh with for our before and after the hunt series which is ongoing um all of those before episodes have been released Uh, steve you and i actually got to record one of the after Episodes last week that will be released soon, and that was from Joseph who went to Alaska and Teaser had literally a trip of a lifetime up there. So I'm excited <laughs> to share that story and podcast. Um, but one of the other guys, Jeff, that is going to New Mexico for a bear hunt. Uh, you guys may have heard his before story. He basically sent over an email, and his subject line in the email was something to the effect of "Too many nerves and too much advice." <laughs> um, and I, I was intrigued right away. So he basically wrote in and said, "We leave in just over a week and I'm so nervous about this hunt. We are getting so much advice on different spots that it's overwhelming. Since I'm new to this, I don't know if I should be trusting my gut or listening to some taxidermist, retired guide or state biologist that I've heard tips from. What do you suggest? And also, how long would you give an area before moving? We're thinking about spending two days covering ground. And if we're not seeing fresh sign, then we will move on. So nerves about the hunt and maybe too much advice. And then kind of questioning, do I trust my gut or just listen to these other people? What are your first thoughts, Steve?
1: Mm, It's tough to walk. I mean, I'm always like a trust your gut kind of guy, but when it comes to, if like you're talking to somebody who's got hands-on experience in this country, that's tough to avoid that information. Um, Yeah, that's really tough. Um, Certainly have a, I I like two days in an area backpack in there bears. I mean, you want to sit back, you know, get a good vantage point glass from a long ways away. You don't want to mess with your wind. You know, that's certainly, you know, just zero chance of getting in there and, you know, uh, having your wind all over the place of bears sticking around. So get, uh, get back glass the hillsides, morning, evening, middle of the day, you know, have your eyes bleeding behind that glass for two days. And yeah, if you don't see anything, then leave see, seeing sign. Uh, I don't, I don't really, I mean, you're, yeah, you want to see some, you know, bear scat, but it's not like, uh, I don't know. Bears, they just tend to be at least here in Idaho. Um, I wouldn't be, I'd be using my eyes, you know, 99% of the time and sign less. Cause I'm not, again, I'm not trying to like walk through where the bears living when I'm trying to glass them up. Right. Like the, the goal is like, I think bears are going to be on this hillside. I want to be all the way across the Canyon on a vantage point, glassing that hillside so that if you're not seeing sign where you're at, that shouldn't be, you know, that shouldn't be disconcerting at all. It's going to be, what are you seeing with your eyes? Um, mm. But two days, yeah. Run and gun cover ground. Um, for sure. Uh, I definitely like that approach. So mm. I would, uh, yeah, it depends. I mean, getting advice from people, uh, you just never know what their history, their background is, you know, is it, uh, did they go on a bear hunt or hear a story from a place, right? Or mm-hmm. have they spent like, you know, if you talk to a guy who's like, you know, say this nervous guy, he mentioned, he's like, yeah, I was, I own kind of this area for 20 years and there's always bears, you know, in this area, then man, take that advice. Uh, mm-hmm. but if he was like, oh, I went on one hunt last year and saw this bear in that area, then, I'm like, yeah. then I'd go with my gut. So it, it, a lot of that would be dependent on the, the, yeah, the background of the person giving you the information. So,
0: yeah, I didn't think of this till you answered Steve, but putting together what you said first about glassing, spending time and all that. With this guy who's maybe overwhelmed about different spots, maybe one way to approach this would be, if you have your your spots that you've researched trust in your gut, and then you have two or three other suggestions on areas to check out. Maybe you go into the hunt evaluating which spots are the most huntable, or provide you the most opportunity to find bears with the least amount of investment. Yeah, And what I mean by that is like, I don't say at least my investments, you don't want to work hard, but can you like one of those spots that one somebody mentioned, or maybe one of the spots that this guy found that Jeff found on your own, like, can you get in there and glass effectively and cover a lot of country and either find bears or check that off the map? Like, is it a huntable area? Um, so maybe that's a way to break down where to go first. It's like, Hey, what's, what's the most efficient way to try and locate bears because they're they're new to bear hunting they're they're new to this area everything else so like stack the odds in your favor of wasting the least amount of time and just think about it from if we have five options what's the most efficient what's
1: the most huntable area and maybe start there no i I like that a lot what's uh you know another consideration is like all right spot a is a you know, 10 mile backpack hunt in there or something like that. Like, and if this is your first hunt, first Western style backpack hunt, like that may put a couple guys like down for the count, right? Like just a mm-hmm. simple act of hiking in there and coming out. Like they may be like, I need a couple days rest where if you kind of flip that around and maybe you start with an easier spot, uh, that's yeah, only maybe a relatively more flat hike and two miles into a glassing point, then, uh, maybe start there just from that logistical you know part of it because you could uh, if someone hasn't been training or even dude i've been so i went uh i've been you know hiking my butt off just you know was up in alaska not three four weeks ago i went uh on thursday last week i left i went and dropped our camper off up in the up in the mountains because half of it i wanted to get a camping spot set and the other half of it i wanted to uh get a little elk hunt and i did an evening elk hunt um just for about three hours is all i had but i was able to cover about five miles of country just kind of bombed in and out of there but it was the just pixie stick mess of downfall and that next friday and saturday my hips were so (laughs) freaking sore dude like because you just can't you can't it's almost can't replicate that i mean the only thing i could think of is in my garage with a step up uh you know box and just literally you know it's just you kind of replay it in your head of like every you know 10 yards for five miles, basically, I was going up and over a log or, you know, getting on a log and, you know, balance beaming it for 10 feet and then dropping off and then getting on another one. I mean, it was just a jungle. Um, and oh, yeah, dude, you just can't replicate that. So even in the sense of these guys have been training, you get up in the mountains, there's just different scenarios get thrown at you. So maybe, yeah, maybe start with that easier hunt. And then, uh, so you don't just get sore right out of the gate and get, uh, kind of, you know, F yourself up. Yeah, that's a, that's a good
0: strategy for sure. We had a listener question come through via SpeakPipe kind of out um, foot care, preventing and fixing hot spots, which uh, again, some people are going to be facing here in the days and weeks to come. So I thought
1: it'd be a great time to cover it. Let's uh, listen in. Let me switch my speaker. With the different talks of
0: dead skin after the big death hike, I was wondering if y'all had any certain videos or resources for taping for preventative measures or even after the fact on hot spots for your feet, specifically for us flatlanders out here in Texas that the biggest change in incline we have is if we walk in a ditch. So my big concern is I'm going to get out there, start side hilling or anything along that line, and all of a sudden... Hotspots pop up, and I'm not exactly sure how to prepare for that. And then I take them, and I cause more harm than good.
1: So what resources do you all recommend? Thanks, guys.
0: All right, so there's a lot in there. He was referencing, uh, I think, before your sheep hunt, Steve, when we had Tyler on, he was talking about uh basically he was having issues with skin like from deep blisters or what have you kind of Mm -hmm. working its way through after the death hike and peeling and at the time i was like dude you're crazy i don't have any issues and then within days of us having that conversation my feet started peeling which is weird because i didn't yeah our feet were hot from that side healing but i never did have actual blisters so anyway that's a unique situation this guy though so he mentioned several things preventative taping, causing more harm than good, et cetera, et cetera. Um I'll just weigh in with some thoughts, and then Steve, you can definitely fill some gaps or or say what you do different. I think several things come to mind. One is get take action as quick as you can. So if you have known issues or you're prone to getting hot spots in a certain area, then maybe you do tape in advance like preventative i don't necessarily recommend going crazy and taping up your feet if you don't have a known issue though because the tape itself can shift or it can cause differences that maybe actually give you issues not fix issues but Mm -hmm. i certainly know guys who are like hey i'm prone to this certain spot always get a hot spot if i don't tape i pre-tape before i hike uh and it helps so if that's relevant then do that Aside from that, if you begin to experience or develop a hot spot, stay aware of that and take action as quick as possible. So getting um, giving that attention and sometimes that is taping, sometimes it could be something like lacing. Sometimes you need to change your lacing technique or just where you're putting pressure. Um, in the boot to accommodate for different terrain or maybe different sock, or maybe your foot's just a little bit different because it's hotter and it's more swollen than maybe prior. So just be aware of those things. Taping and lacing are the big things that come to mind for me. In terms of taping, um, I recommend Leukotape Tape, uh, L-U-E-K-O, uh, Luco Tape. If you guys haven't used that, it's pretty awesome. It stays put even if your feet uh, are not quite dry and things like that. One thing I do with Leuco Tape or I have done in the past, I should say, I think I haven't had these issues in a long time, but if you have a hot spot or an actual blister, whether that blister has been popped or it's just kind of developed and your skin's soft, as I try not to put Leuco Tape directly over that because Leuco Tape is so sticky that it's going to want to take that skin off with it when you remove it. So I generally carry... Um just a little bit of gauze, flat gauze. and I will put gauze directly over the hot spot or that soft skin of a blister. and then the leco tape over that. So I basically have a barrier to keep the Luco tape from sticking to the hot spot or the blister. Um, if you have a blister that you know, is holding fluid, I do tend to um, like pop it, drain it, not peel the skin, but then just put the gauze over that and then tape it. Um, And then the other thing is just socks, managing moisture, changing socks uh, as frequently, honestly, as possible or as needed based on the conditions. Um, So from a high level, I think those are really helpful tips that in the past when I've struggled with boots that tend to want to give me hot spots, all that stuff has made a big world of difference. Um, What I miss, Steve.
1: I don't, you know, I don't think you missed anything other than I um yeah, I'll just echo what you said, right? Like the number one uh well A, the number one thing is knowing your feet and being preventative. So like you said, um, you know, knowing uh I think it's Dione who, who his feet are completely taped. I think it's Diony, might be there. Someone on the death like their feet are completely taped before they even start one step onto the trail, right? Like they know the ball, of their foot, the heel, whatever, this toe gets blisters, they pre-tape them. I don't do that. I, I I'm in the camp of because I don't really consistently have any issues, I just address them as they pop up. Um but a lot of it is just over time and an experience just knowing what causes them and how to avoid them. Right. So um but if you're new to it you just you got nothing to base your you know decisions off of. So, um, if you're hiking and you start feeling any hot spots, stop immediately and tape them. Uh, they're not, they're never going to like get better, right? <laughs> it's, a, it's only a, a downhill slope. So if your heels starting to rub and it's slipping, stop and tape it. The other thing is, um, you know, address your boot just needs to be snug fitting. Like you can't have, you know, the, the ball of your foot sliding left and right or forward and back, you can't heal, you know, one thing to do, just tighten up your boots and put your, the, you know, like you're almost here, you're taking your shoe. You want to take your shoes off of, and you're being lazy and you, you put your, your toe of one foot on the heel of the other, and then try to lift your heel up out of that shoe. Like do that at home and see if, if your heel is lifting and sliding in that, that's no bueno, right? You start climbing up a thousand foot climb or whatever, that's going to cause a blister. Um, so address that and, and how you address that is lacing socks and insoles Well those all three of those are going to take a uh uh, play a role in preventing slip in that so the one thing if i had a a newer pair of boots that i'm unsure of take multiple pairs of socks that are all different um different thicknesses different weights because those you're going to want to fill up the inside volume of that shoe um and sometimes you can't you know especially with like a leather boot that isn't the the fabric isn't going to be as subtle you can't just crank on the laces to tighten it up cuz it just creates pressure points right like the the actual uh footbed of the of the shoe um what's that called the last um the last of the shoe needs to just conform to your foot if it's not then um then you're just got uphill battle so that's where you run into Thicker socks. Some guys run a liner sock. Um, taping. You know d- different lacing techniques. Uh, all of those are going to play a role. But again, being preventative, leuko tape. If you feel a hot spot on your heel, just stop. Tape that sucker up. When you are taping, um, you know you do want things um, as clean and dry as possible, even with leuko tape. Um, and then get it just nice and smooth on on there. And, and think about like where the the seams of the tape are and um, you know, I usually like, you know, run it, run the tape pretty long. If you're just covering your heel, you don't just put like a little two inch strip on there, it, like covers the heel and then wraps, you know, around the side of the foot, like an inch or two each side. Um, but be aware of, like you said, if you just had no known issue and you just started taping your feet prior to it, you may do more harm than good. Cause you're that tape will at the edges and the seams kind of want to roll up and stuff over time. And as you take your socks on and off and things like that, that you may just, uh, inadvertently create an issue i think that's it man yeah and and as you said swapping out socks keeping your feet dry anytime um you stop and like you know even uh your elk cut and you're like i want to stop and eat a snack take off your boots man even if it's cold outside take off your boots let the let the air dry them out um if your socks are wet swap them out like the all that stuff you can do to be preventative is just gonna completely um it's just going to pay dividends so and uh um yeah you just don't mess with your feet if your feet are effed uh your hunt's over like it it becomes (laughs) very miserable and painful uh the boots and packs are the two things of gear that you need to pay attention to and boots are number one by far so uh what else oh and don't underestimate the power of admin uh if you do got hot spots and blisters and stuff like that just take you to Advil every four hours. I guarantee you that that makes more of a difference than you think. Yeah. Uh, it will take that sharp pain and make it a dull pain and uh, make you a lot more comfortable.
0: I didn't think of this since the death hike, but uh, Christian that was on the death hike, which I think that was his first death hike, right? this mm-hmm. the first time mm-hmm. I met him anyway. Yeah. Um, he was running these little like toe pad i think they're meant for bunions they're like little gel or silicone kind of like sleeves and you can cut them so um what made me think of that is i think he ran his on his pinky toe because the way it curves he was like really prone to have that push on other toes and rub and cause blisters like i just thought of that as we were having this conversation that's one thing I've never thought of or messed with, but maybe that could be a a game changer for somebody to use your favorite term, Steve game changer. Um, <laughs> but maybe that could help someone uh, tremendously because the first time I ever even saw those or consider them, but he like swore by them, and his feet were in great shape from the death hike. And he thought that made a big difference for him. So again, like unique issues, figure out what you need to do to take care of your feet specifically.
1: Yeah. If I was new to uh, Western Hunt, I would certainly have a little mini arsenal uh, kit built together of blister prevention stuff, starting with Tape and some of the other options that are out there. Cause you just, some of it's going to be trial and error until you figure out what works. But again, the worst thing to do is ignore it and let something get really bad. Yeah.
0: Well, that's a wrap for this one, guys. Uh, As always, we, Love hearing from you and like chatting through the questions that you want to hear about. Um, Sometimes those are things that we overlook uh, and we don't think to necessarily discuss, but then we get questions from you guys. And I was like, Oh, I know that we should talk about that and it'll help guys or it's something that has been a gap in what we've addressed. So if you have something for us, send an email to podcast at exomountaingear.com or look for the link in the show description that says leave a message and you can use whatever device you're on right now to uh, leave us that audio message and we'll chat through that on a future Monday minute Uh, our next ones
1: you're uh, gonna be back from your goat hut huh
0: I was gonna say like we'll try and get them out but yeah the next uh, three four weeks is definitely incredibly busy so I'll have some podcasts scheduled to go out Monday minutes we'll get them when we can and hopefully have some stories to share sweet well if you guys haven't yet hit that subscribe or follow button so that you're do receive future episodes automatically and we'll talk to you soon.